Welcome. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, the premier podcasting host, and a whole lot more. They're on buzzsprout.com. It's Thursday, January the 7th, 2021. I'm James Cridland, the editor of Pod News, and Happy New Year from Australia. And I'm Sam Sethi, the editor of Sam Talks Technology, and Happy New Year from the UK. And I'm Rob Greenlee, chairperson from the Podcast Academy and VP of Content and Partnerships at Lipson. And I'll be on later to talk about the Ambies and podcasting in 2021. And I'm Brian Barletta from Sounds Profitable. And later I'll be talking to you about podcast advertising technology. And I'm Anna Parker Naples. And later I'll be talking about my book, Podcast with Impact. They will. Podland is a weekly podcast where Sam and I delve deeper into the week's most important news, which I cover daily at podnews.net. If you've got any questions about what you hear today or want to ask for next week's show, and we'd love to hear from you, uh, you can send us a voicemail to questions at podland.news, or you can send us a tweet as well. We're at podlandnews. James, surprisingly, Amazon for Christmas bought Wondery. A lot of people have talked about Wondery, but have you got any final thoughts on it? I thought it was interesting seeing Amazon spending apparently $300 million on Wondery, which is a very good podcast company. It easily published more new shows, more big new shows last year than anybody else. And a really good fit, I think, for Amazon. I don't think Amazon's finished, by the way. I think that there's another announcement that's going to be made in the next couple of weeks that Amazon are going to buy somebody else as well. So the rumor mill goes. But you just can't say. I've said Art19 twice in in pod news. So the rumor goes Art19. But who knows whether or not that will actually get there. I think that Amazon's a good fit for Wondery is international. Wondery has been doing a lot of international work. I think Business Wars is really interesting. You can hear Business Wars in German. You can hear it in Japanese. You can hear it in Arabic. They've done some very clever deals with local media companies to produce local versions of that show. And they've done a bunch of this sort of thing elsewhere as well. So 25% of Wondery's revenue is from things other than just advertising in podcasts. I think that fits with Amazon very well. And I think certainly it might give Amazon Prime Video a bit more content to put into their platform as well in terms of turning podcasts into TV shows. Now, You said when we were off air, you spoke to Wondery's ex-CEO-to-be. Did he have anything else to say to you? Yes. So that's Hernan Lopez. So I had a quick chat with him about what he was doing after he leaves. He will be going to work on the Hernan Lopez Family Foundation, which is all about diversity in leadership, which is a good thing to get behind. One assumes that Hernan won't be short of a, of a bob or two here, so he should be able to fund that quite well. He is also going still to be involved with the Podcast Academy, which is going to be interesting. And I think the Podcast Academy probably needs uh, a bit of attention given to it. We've got Rob Greenlee talking later on in the podcast, so who knows what he's going to say. But I think that Hanan is a good person who understands the podcasting world. And I think out of Wondery, he could do some really good things to move the industry forward without obviously having to worry about any conflict of interest there. Okay, let's watch this space. Now, the theme of this week's show is about Apple and Spotify's privacy, or should I say a lack of it. James, over Christmas, it seems that you had some time to write a little post about Apple. What did you think about Apple and privacy then? (laughs) 
it seems I had a little bit of time. So I wrote on my personal blog, so this wasn't a pod news story, but I wrote on my personal blog, just the difference between Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that is out there. Because I thought it's important just to put this out there, that when you're listening, when you're using Apple Podcasts, every hour, your phone is checking with every single podcast host in turn, whether or not there's a new episode to go and have a listen to. And that happens automatically, normally every single hour, which means that you are giving podcast hosts a bit of data. You're giving podcast hosts the data of what your phone is, of what your IP address is, little bits of information such as that, which also then means rough locations and stuff like that. But if you're a large podcast company, then chances are you're able to get rather more information here because there aren't that many people who listen to those five podcasts that are part of your list of 10,000 podcasts that you happen to have. You can begin to look at somebody's individual listening habits quite uh, carefully. And also you can then have a look in terms of the IP addresses, at whether somebody is in their house or whether somebody's in the car or whether they're at work. All of a sudden, you're giving all of this information out. And this is something which is very unique to Apple Podcasts and a couple of other very small podcast apps. It's not something that most other podcast apps do. So if you're using Google or Overcast, or if you're using Castro or any of these things, then it isn't your phone checking RSS feeds. It's a server in the cloud, but that's not how Apple Podcasts worked. Okay. Could they not switch that to using something like Google does, which is WebSub? So they can certainly move their RSS checking into the cloud as most other people do. They couldn't necessarily rely on WebSub because there are plenty of podcast companies who don't support that, Libsyn being a very large one that doesn't support it. I've chatted with them a while back about the benefits of it, but they're certainly not that interested in sticking it into their feeds. So yes, they could absolutely do that. And they are already have a system which is already checking RSS feeds anyway, because it's needed to keep the Apple Podcasts website up and running. It just strikes me that is a privacy issue that is something that only Apple Podcasts has and something that most other uh, places don't. And, And to be clear, it's not Apple getting your information. It's podcast hosts getting a little bit more information from Apple Podcasts that they're not getting from anywhere else. And I don't necessarily like the idea of a podcast host knowing whether I'm at home or not. I don't think that's something that a podcast host ought to actually know, but that's possible with the amount of data that Apple Podcasts is actually sticking out there. Now, On the back of that story, there was a story that you wrote about, which was Spotify selling our data. So this was a piece, Pat Walsh, who is a privacy advocate. He was talking about his Spotify account in the UK and Spotify's privacy information, which is very clear and very open, saying that his listening data will be shared with 246 different third-party advertising companies. Each of those have their own privacy policy, which Spotify links through to, and you can turn various things off and on with the Spotify app and, and all of that kind of thing. Although he also says it's quite difficult to actually turn off properly. But that's an awful lot of different companies to give information on whether or not I'm enjoying Paul McCartney's new album. 
<laughs> so I'm not quite sure what the deal is going on there. I'm assuming that it's not 246 different companies. It's up to 246 different companies, and they're very unlikely to get very much information. And certainly they won't know that it's me, uh, and they won't know what IP address I'm on and whether or not I'm in my house right now. But I, I think every time one of these conversations going on, you just think ah, privacy is going to be a bit of a thing in 2021. It is, because there's another story about a company called Megaphone. It seems they've been blocked by a number of people. Why is that? So there's ad blocks out there. So Next DNS is one of those. Brave, which is a browser, comes with an ad blocker uh, inside it. And there are various other ones of those. And they use lists. They use lists of different domains that they know contain advertising. And so therefore, it blocks access to those domains. And those block lists have started including Megaphone in them. In fact, Megaphone, I think, was blocked about three or four months ago. It's certainly in the ad blocker that I use, but I suspect that it's being more blocked now recently by the looks of things. And Jack Resider, who does a great podcast called Darknet Diaries, is not particularly pleased with it, particularly since what Megaphone is doing is that they are sharing, as I understand it, they're sharing quite a lot of their listen data for certain podcasts with Nielsen, which is a big customer research company in the US. And obviously, if you are careful about your online privacy, you probably don't want that to happen. And Jack's audience particularly are those sorts of uh, people. Again, I think it's another question asked about privacy and podcasting, and it's still only week two of 2021. Is there anything that we as podcasters, as listeners can do to prevent these companies or does it have to be a top down change? I think there's a bunch of things that we could be doing, but I think what we'll see uh, with Apple's changes in the Apple App Store is that people will be more aware about online privacy. And so that will certainly be one thing. And I think there have been companies who've jumped up and down and said certain things about privacy and podcasting, which is helpful, I think, in terms of educating people that there is an issue out there. Or is there an issue out there? Now, the last part of this, Apple's bot has been sniffing around the internet a little bit more actively recently, finding OPML files, which, again, if you, if you don't know what an OPML file is, it's a, it's a list of RSS feeds. Is Apple doing something in the background or is it just at the beginning of the new year and they're just checking out what's going on out there? So this is a thing called the Apple bot and it's a bot much like the Google bot or the Bing bot. So these are automated tools that go around and have a look at the internet and index it all and everything else. And quite a few people have seen that the Apple bot has been visiting more websites recently. And the reason for that is I think what Apple are going to do is they're going to go to Google and say, thanks very much for being our default search engine for so long, but actually we've built our own now. So see you later. And uh, I suspect that's what's going to happen. And so the Apple bot is there busy indexing vast amounts of the internet. If they're looking at 
OPML feeds, if they're looking at RSS feeds, then that probably means that they're doing a little bit of indexing there. But I'm not necessarily sure that there's an awful lot more to that particular story. But it's interesting to see potential changes if you use an, an Apple iPhone and you want to search uh, the internet, you can have an experience as good as Apple Maps. I was uh, going to say, so you can get lost and never find anything. <laughs> Indeed. Excellent. I still don't use Apple Maps, however much they make it better. Now, it seems that at the beginning of the year, we started off with what I call the Digirati or the Silicon Valley Lovies, favourite new app. It's called Clubhouse. It seems it's hit the UK and Australia. So suddenly every person that I know has signed up to Clubhouse. Did you sign up? I have signed up. So I'm very lucky. I'm busy looking at Clubhouse right now. And tomorrow morning at four in the morning, I can wake up, I can go and have some coffee, and I can enjoy a, I don't know what you call them, a room. room. I can enjoy yep. an event about remote podcast recording tips from Squadcast. I'm sorry, Rock, Zachariah and Ariel, I'm, I'm not getting up at four o'clock in the morning for that. And I think that's one of the interesting things from this side of the world is that everything's in the middle of the night <laughs> because it's a live chat. But there must be more than you in Australia using Clubhouse. Couldn't you just form your own little room with somebody else in Australia and have a chat about sheep? I think you're confusing us with New Zealand. There are a few Australian people on here. There aren't that many Australians, obviously. There's, uh, there's only 23 million Australians or so here. So that amount is going to be rather less. There was something that I noticed yesterday, which was Aussie entrepreneurs that I could have joined at four o'clock in the afternoon. And that would probably have been quite interesting. I have to say, I'm having real difficulty with the whole user interface of Clubhouse. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense. But I do like the idea that audio is being used in this way to help us chat and to help us communicate because audio is a good thing. It is. Now, I, I went on to Clubhouse and I got, I'd say I got slightly stressed out about it. It was suddenly the old world of everyone trying to grow their follower list again. Why we can't import and export our social graphs still in 2021, I don't know. I think but you'll find that's a privacy issue. <laughs> there you go then. Can we just remove that privacy issue? Because I hate having to go and invite and follow everyone that I follow everywhere else. But I did go to several rooms. Mark Andreessen was hosting one. Okay, if you've got somebody like Mark Andreessen or Gary V or somebody like that, maybe it's worth going along to. But there's mm. every social media consultant trying to hawk their, let me tell you how to make money in 2021 show. And it's very frustrating. But the other side of it, and more seriously, you can't record those conversations. So they're of the moment and gone. You can't have any links out so you can't grow the audience you can't really do anything with your audience other than put something in your profile so yeah. Yeah. i like like you that it's an audio thing somebody likened it to radio that you just put it on in the back you have a channel you listen to that channel you can be muted and unlike radio you can dive in and make a comment and then dive back out so is it a bit more like a, a social media radio station rather than a podcasting possibly we shouldn't forget that anchor launched in this way so anchor actually launched as a way for you to post a comment and then for somebody else to reply to that comment and then for somebody else to reply to that comment and you could sit later and listen to all of these people 
in a quite nicely structured conversation. And it worked quite well. And then they turned it into a podcast hosting company because that was a little bit more easy to explain to the venture capitalists. So I wonder whether that is something that it's clearly been tried before in a lot of different ways. So it'll be interesting seeing how Clubhouse works and also interesting to see what Twitter are doing. Because earlier on this week, we heard that the Breaker team, who make a very good sort of social podcast app, are to join Twitter which is three of them, Leah Culver, Emma London, and Eric Berlin. And they are joining Twitter. They're stopping doing Breaker. So the Breaker podcast app is going away. And they're joining Twitter to work on something called Twitter Spaces, which as far as I can work out is pretty well Clubhouse, but um, using Twitter, which seems to be a vastly more successful way of doing it, I would guess. But So it'll be interesting seeing what happens there. It only launched last month and it's in very closed beta at the moment. Maybe Twitter are doing something quite similar here. They need to because everybody that was on Clubhouse for the one hour that I wasted on it was all my friends who would have been on Twitter. So if they were oh, on well, Clubhouse yeah. spending all their time, clearly they weren't tweeting. So I did think that Clubhouse was going to take away all of the attention that Twitter would have got. So it makes sense for uh, Twitter to try this. In fact, it's quite surprising because, as you said in your post, Twitter started out as an audio company in its original implementation. So Twitter began life in 2005 called Odeo. I think I even had an Odeo account. And they had a clever thing. This was way back in the days of iPods. And they had a clever sort of piece of software which you download onto your computer and it would sync these things, these bits of audio into your iPod. Now, I had the privilege to talk to a, a mutual friend of ours, Brian Barletta. And he started a podcast called Sounds Profitable. James, you know Brian better than I do. He's part of the Pod News. He is. He's part of the Pod News Network. He runs a really good weekly newsletter called Sounds Profitable, which you'll find at soundsprofitable.com, and you should subscribe to it. And it focuses on ad tech. It's very technical, very deep dive, and does a fantastic job of that. He's um, just about to launch a new podcast. It'll be produced by Evo Terra, hosted with Wushka, who apparently do some very nice dynamic ad insertion. Sam spoke to Brian about his new podcast. Hello, Brian. How are you? I'm good, Sam. How are you? Very well. Now, Brian, you have uh, a website called Sounds Profitable, a newsletter, and a podcast. Tell me more about it. Absolutely. So Sounds Profitable is part of the Pod News Network. So you know James very well from Pod News. Uh, James decided to give me a little bit of space on uh, the Pod News Network to talk about podcast advertising technology specifically. And in September, we launched and the goal was to take podcast ad tech and demystify it because I am someone without an engineering background who's worked really hard in the space to be a sales engineer, to be a product manager. And my entire goal was to break that complex topic down and make it accessible for everyone from account managers, salespeople, ad ops people, all the way up to decision makers in a C level and VP level. Because I think that there's really great things here, but I think that we mystify how difficult it is to work in ad tech when the truth is it's just, it's pretty straightforward and there's a lot of room for creativity. Now, you wrote a brilliant article this week about DAI. What is DAI and, and what was the article about? So DAI is dynamic ad insertion, and it's the concept of when a user or a listener 
goes to download or play a podcast, in real time, it's taking what information they know and taking the core content of the episode and stitching in the appropriate ads based on targeting. And the reason why I wanted to dig into it so early in the year was that a lot of people confuse DAI with announcer-read ads in the same way they confuse programmatic ads with open marketplace. So my goal was to say dynamic ad insertion is something that everyone in podcasting needs to take seriously and needs to put on their roadmap for this year. Because the truth of it is, you can do host-read ads, you can do announcer-read ads, you can do all sorts of crazy creative things, but it doesn't cost anything else. None of the hosting providers charge anything more for it. And it gives you so much more reporting capabilities just by having it included. Now, I have to say we are sponsored by Buzzsprout and Buzzsprout recently launched DAI, which we, James and I, are going to be trying to use. Now, you gave some great examples of where James and I could use it in your article. Do you want to tell us more? So at the beginning of the Pod News podcast, James actually says that he introduces the podcast and he says this is brought to you by Wonderful. And what's really interesting about that is that he builds that all into one file. So whether it's today or 10 years from now, if that file is still up there, it'll always say Wonderful. So James is locked in right now to selling that on each episode as evergreen content. But with dynamic ad insertion, he could say, all of the downloads for this 30 days or 60 days or 90 days will have that wonderful intro. And he can change that intro out. So if somebody decides to listen to an episode from two months ago, two years ago, today, they're going to hear that wonderful ad. But when that deal runs out, he can change that and take advantage of every single download that he has access to. It also will let him track appropriately the difference between a download and an ad download which is confusing, but there's ways with dynamic ad insertion that we can determine, did the podcast download or did the area or the part of the podcast that has the ad in it download? If you're a podcast, that is the best way of doing because it, it means all your old episodes, even if anyone picks them up, can still have the latest advertising sponsorship package added to it. My one question was, and I guess it's a fear more than anything else, you never know what that switchover is going to sound like because when you say it in the single file what's great about it is when you go to edit it you've got it there you go hi my name's james and we're here and we're sponsored by yada and then you see the next flow but when you're stitching it in and post-production waiting for your hosting company to throw that in from their ad server as an editor my nerve is is that going to be a seamless integration or is that going to be a blank space so how do we make sure it's clean and flows? So you're spot on there. And it's actually funny. The, that's a whole reason I decided to do the podcast that's coming out. Because what I want to do, my podcast is really going to take the weekly newsletter articles. So Sounds Profitable puts out a weekly newsletter. I'd love all of you to subscribe. And every time or every article, I'm going to work with a different expert in the field to expand the content. But at the beginning of each of the podcast episodes, I'm going to put three DAI placements in there. Now I'm working with Evo Terra podcast pontifications, and we've got some really neat ideas. And what we're going to do is we're going to record all of those at once. And then we're going to put the same audio backbeat through them. Now, just like you, Evo is an audio engineer. And so he's going to take that and make sure that it sounds appropriate. And he's going to match the beat so that each section has a little bit of lull 
or the right beat between each of them so that it sounds like it's one piece of audio cut. Now, I'll be real with you. If you change the style of your podcast, if you change the intro music or things like that, they might not be compatible. But that's part of it. You need to really have a strong strategy. But in the same way that you're editing it all together, you as the audio editor should still be editing the ads and making sure they sound appropriately. But one of the goals that I really want to drive forward this year is I'd love for people to stop saying, and we'll be back after the break. Because sometimes with DAI, there's no break. So maybe we put, and we'll be back after the break, into an ad that's daisy chained to another ad. Or it's just in the beginning of every ad especially if it's host read, so that if there is no ad, we don't have that awkward situation where we go, oh, I guess they're having trouble selling ads today. (laughs) That's never good. Now, next week, I want to do a longer show with you talking about all of this DAI in depth. But you mentioned in your article, geolocation. Does DAI allow geolocation today? So depending on what country you're in determines how granular you can get with geolocation from an IP address because of privacy concerns. But I think it's pretty safe to say you can at least get a different country feel out of it. And James, for example, could decide to do a different advertisement if you're in the US or you're in Australia or whatnot based on your IP address coming in. So that could be really powerful there. Another great example is you could put a different ad in the future when we all get to travel again and there's events and whatnot, you could say, we're going to do a live show in Boston or in Florida or in wherever around the country and basically enable that ad to only serve to the people that it's relevant to. So I'm not in Texas hearing about a great event in Boston that I'm not going to fly up to. Exactly. Now, can you remind everyone where they can get a hold of your newsletter and your podcast? So soundsprofitable.com will give you access to everything. On soundsprofitable.com, we have uh, links to the product deep dives, which is a brand new series I started where we're going to peel back how podcast ad tech actually works. So they're deep dives with the product owners and salespeople of these companies. So you can learn how to use the tools. Then we're going to have the podcast linked on there as well. And then of course, the weekly newsletter that comes out, it's available on the website. And I'd love for you guys to sign up for the email. And there you go. So as I say, subscribe to Sounds Profitable and check out Brian's newsletter. Yes, it's a very good one. I heartily recommend it. Sam, have you entered the Ambies yet? Yes, and I won't do the joke I did two weeks ago. Now, the Ambies have closed now, haven't they? They have indeed. And they are busily working on the production for the Ambies at the moment. And I spoke to Rob Greenlee about it and he gave us an update on where the Ambies are and he gave us a little bit more information about the Podcast Academy as well as LibSync's work with Adam Curry. Hey Rob, how are you? I'm doing terrific. Great. Now, Rob, being chairperson of the Podcast Academy, what's happening with the Podcast Academy? I think you've got the Ambies coming up, which is really exciting. Tell me more. We're really excited as we move into spring, because on March 28th, we're going to have our first annual Ambi Awards that's going to be held in a soundstage in Los Angeles. And so we're going to be streaming it live as a virtual event. So we're excited. And we've got a really professional kind of sound studio that we're going to do it from with video panel walls. And we're going to have some terrific presenters and moderators of the awards ceremony. And so we're really excited about it. We've hired some creative teams. Actually, the team behind Podcast Movement is actually 
going to be running the event, as well as uh, we've hired some creative agencies to do a bunch of work on getting the word out about it. And so we're hoping to drive a large audience to the event as a first year event. And then the membership is continuing to grow every month. People joining up. We've had well over a thousand show submissions into the awards. So we are excited and the board continues to meet on a monthly basis and we're making making some new additions to the board of governors and things are going fantastic with that. And I couldn't be happier. I'm actually going to be stepping down from the chairpersonship here this month as the board decided to reelect all new officers. So we're going to have a changing of the guard and then ultimately probably next year, the actual membership is going to vote in the Board of Governors. So that's the next year process for having leadership of the Podcast Academy. So it's going to be very representative of the, of what the community wants. It's a bit like Barcelona Football Club. Yes. The fans <laughs> vote in the president. Now, first of all, where can people get more info about joining the Podcast Academy and yeah. more info about the event itself? It's really simple. Just go to thepodcastacademy.com and you can get access to all the information about the Ambies or, or you can just go to ambies.com and get access directly to the awards process and ceremonies. And that's where a lot of people signed up and submitted their shows. But the submission process for new shows has closed now, but you certainly can join the organization. So now we're at the phase of putting the event together and coming up with our final list of nominees that then can be voted on by a blue ribbon panel of judges that's going to be pulled together from the membership of the organization. How will international people do? Is it going to be, just got to ask as a a non-American, any of us got a chance or is it all going to go to you guys in America? That's hard to predict, but I I do know that a fairly large percentage of the of the membership of the Podcast Academy is from outside the U.S. And we do have a representation on the board from outside of the U.S. as well. And we hope over the next couple of years that will expand. But I know that we have a large number of shows that are created outside of the U.S. that was submitted for consideration for winning some awards. So I'd say that there's a very good likelihood because there's some terrific shows that are produced outside of the U.S. Podcast content is not exclusively a U.S. thing. Now, it started here in the U.S., but I think that there's a lot of exciting things going on outside of the U.S. right now with podcasting, not the least of which is the growth of listenership outside of the U.S. has just been amazing here over the last uh, 18 months or so. Now, obviously, you just said it was started in America. I, I will credit Mr. Adam Curry for doing a lot of that work, along with Dave Weiner. That's and, and Adam's back. Well, he's never been away, some would say, but he's back. Uh, and he's doing a great job with Podcast 2.0, mm-hmm. the new namespace and the new podcast index that he's working on. There was maybe a, a miscommunication, I would say. Where is LibSync in terms of working with the Podcast 2.0 guys? We are definitely monitoring what's happening um, over there with the podcast 2.0 thing. And I think it was maybe a little misinterpreted. My inquiry was to get all the information about what's going on over there so I can get it over to the Lipson team for us to consider supporting it here moving forward. And I think as a team, we are very supportive of what Adam is doing over there with trying to come up with some new ideas in the medium. And I do believe that we will probably ultimately wind up you know, supporting most, if not 
all of what's going on over there, but the actual implementation is probably a little ways off here just because we are primarily working on our new Lipson 5 backend platform. So that's taken as our, our priority right now. So I'm not saying it isn't going to happen, but it's also just it's in our roadmap here to consider against a lot of other things that are going on as far as priorities in the company, as far as offering new things to our our subscribers um, to okay. Lipson. Lipson's a, a massive, great big podcasting host. Are you feeling any heat now that you're seeing all these production companies being bought up, like Wondery from Amazon, and you're seeing even today, Twitter just bought up uh, Breaker. And so you're just beginning to see this M&A happening within the podcast. Are you going to have to go vertical, horizontal, acquire or be acquired? What's the future look like for Libsync? I think our approach, and it's been that way, I think for most of the lifespan of the company, and I've only been with Libsync for about a little less than two years now, but have certainly been involved in you know, following what the company has been doing for its entire lifespan. Because I, I started podcasting about the same time the company started. So I would say that the company is going to continue in a leadership role going forward. Lipson, if you didn't know, is a public company and has been a public company for many years now. We saw the CEO's recent salary increase and in bonus shares. So very jealous. So we are a more established company in the podcasting space. I think our focus is really around building the best of class tools to support the industry. And that's part of this Lipson 5 initiative is we're doing a complete remodel on the UI experience for podcasters to modernize it, move it to where the market is right now. And I think that once we do that, then we can start building more capabilities into the platform and really build something that's powerful. And I agree with you that the acquisition is going to continue to happen in the podcasting space. And I think that there's probably too many individual service providers in this industry. And so that's a natural development as companies develop, they combine. And I think with traditional media getting involved in podcasting, that is another way that this industry consolidates as well as the traditional industries try and boost their podcasting efforts. And one fast way to do that is to acquire some podcasting companies. And so we're, that's the development. And I think as we look at Lipson going forward, Lipson will become a stronger platform for supporting the industry of podcasting. Now, lastly, you have your own podcast. You have done for some time. What's it called and where can people find it? The new media show or just newmediashow.com. I've been doing that for about 10 years now. I think we're over, it's like close to 400 episodes now. So we've been doing that show live as a video show for many years. So this concept of being live video and audio podcast is something that's not new to us. And the show is actually a video podcast too, a true video podcast. You can subscribe to it in the Apple podcast platform as a video show and download the, the video file to your iPhone or whatever and watch it that way as well. Not that we're a visually stimulating video show. We're not. We're still doing microphones like a traditional podcast. But it is a show that we talk about the trends and development of the industry. And that's something we've been doing for a long time. Todd Cochran, who's the CEO of Blueberry, is my co-host. You, you did mention that you uh, crystal gaze basically into the future of the podcast industry. Here we are at the beginning of 2021. 
Mm-hmm. What's going to happen, Rob? You're the chairman of the podcast, chairperson of the Podcast Academy. What's well, going to happen in 2021? I think that that question really always provokes the same reaction from me year over year is, and this is because it's consistent with the history. I've been involved in the podcasting space for 16 years, and this happens every single year is that the industry gets larger and bigger and more content and more listeners and the economics around the medium continues to expand. And I believe that will just continue. But I do think a big change that's happening is the international expansion of podcasting from a business perspective, as well as a listener perspective and a content creation perspective is really, I think, what the big news is going to continue to be. It actually started in 2020 and it's going to continue into 2021 as outside of the U.S. catches up to the U.S., And in certain places around the world, I I think in a lot of ways, they have caught up to the U.S. around a lot of metrics in the podcasting space. And in some ways, outside of the U.S. is focused on quality content, probably more so than in the U.S., which has really started as more of a grassroots, organic kind of indie type of um, market, where I think outside of the U.S., there's a little stronger push towards professionalized content which is a little different development than the process that the U.S. has gone through. So I think that there is going to be continued expansion in all areas. And the medium, it's at an unprecedented level of participation, representation, all of the elements that are key to really, I think, ultimately replacing radio. <laughs> to be quite well, honest with you, I think we're there getting there. There you go. And I've just started a radio station as well. Now, I think outside of the US, you've got places like Himalaya and Spoon who are showing the way forward for the podcast industry because they're monetizing those with micropayments and real money, which is outside of just sponsorship and advertising. I think uh, Adam Curry is looking at using lightning out of Bitcoin to actually mm. create a micropayment system. So, Rob, I'm going to love you and leave you. Thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant talking to you. Good luck with the Ambies and catch up with you in 2021. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. So hold the front page. Gosh, uh, news from Rob Greenley there. I'm fascinated to find out all of those changes to the podcast academy. It sounds really good. Sam, we haven't spoken since uh, Christmas. Did you get anything exciting for Christmas? Not very exciting, but I did get a book. It was called The End of the Storm. As a Liverpool fan, I love it. It's a story about how we won the title last year. Ah, sports ball. Yes, I've heard of that. I got a book called Podcast Growth from the podcast host, which I'm holding. But of course, this podcast is just audio, so you can't actually tell. And that's a fantastic book. I say that. I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure it's going to be a fantastic book. Also, there's another book out. And it's called Podcast with Impact. It's by Anna Parker Naples, and she's the first British woman to write a book on podcasting, apparently. Anna joined me from a very fancy home studio because she used to be a voiceover. That's what I started out as, which is part of my story. Ten years ago, I was told I'd never walk again. And I was an actor. So what do you do if that's your scenario? And I had very young children. I'm fully recovered now, by the way, but I realized that I'd done some voiceover work and I realized that the whole landscape was changing and where people had been a bit sniffy about home studios before, that actually there was a market there, particularly for work over in the States. This that I'm sitting in is my airing cupboard, where it was a long time ago, and it was the only door that my wheelchair would fit through comfortably. 
that space allowed me to recover and do something with my life at a time when things were very difficult. So (laughs) that's been my kind of journey into the whole audio space. Anna's written a book called Podcast with Impact, How to Start and Launch Your Podcast Properly. So what's it all about? So it basically details what I wish I'd known with that first podcast, because I felt that although it's still live and it still gets listeners, but it couldn't give me the growth that I wanted because I hadn't done the things behind the scenes and I didn't know how to launch, how to get that traction, how to build a community, build a tribe of people that want to listen to it. And so it it kind of charts what I did wrong and what I've done with the second podcast that works really well. And also, of course, you having worked in voice most of my adult life, it's all those nuances about how do you deliver into a microphone? What do you actually have to think about? And what do you not have to really worry about? That people will go out and they'll buy a, a Blue Yeti microphone and they'll stick it in, but they don't really know what they're doing. Things like the voice care and how you position yourself and all of those basics that you only know when you and I have worked with voice and audio for a very long time. All those little things that we take for granted that many, particularly entrepreneurs and people building personal brands, just wouldn't have a clue about. Now, she's the first British woman to write a book on podcasting. Does podcasting still have a gender balance problem? Uh, There are still less women podcasters. And when you look in the charts, when you look at Apple on any given week, there are still far less women solo podcasters who are in the charts consistently. And I think the whole audio field still has that kind of, you'll forgive me the term, that audio geekishness about it that a lot of women find unappealing. Now, we are making some sweeping generalizations there, but I actually think that it's a platform that's wide open. And as the podcast listenership grows and as the podcast hosts grow, as we've seen tremendous growth this year, we're going to see many more strong women come into the space. And I think that's a really exciting thing. What we do see more and more is female only Facebook groups for podcasters popping up. I don't necessarily want to play that game because I think it's more important if you're a person with a strong message, that's more relevant than whether you're male or female. And I was wondering whether gender balance in podcasting is a particular thing in the UK. I think it's a global thing and we're going to see a shift with that. I think there's many more women realising that this is a place where they have a voice, where they can find other women who think like they do. And I think actually what we're seeing with with the rise of social media and the rise of the internet is that many more women have become entrepreneurs from their homes because childcare. They can still do school runs. And again, we're making some sweeping generalizations, but I think that's why we're seeing so many, particularly in the coaching space, so many women coming to the fore now. And I think that ripple effect is then going to be seen in the podcast space as well. So let's ask the question we all get asked, how long should your podcast be? I don't think there is that answer. I think there are no rules. However, you've got to think about who you're speaking to. If you're speaking to someone who's very short on time, you don't want a two-hour podcast. If you're speaking to someone who's very lonely and disconnected and you're speaking about something very personal that's deep, then of course you're going to want something that is more than 15 minutes. So it really comes down to why you're podcasting in the first place, who you're trying to reach. 
Her book is called Podcast with Impact. It's out now at all good bookstores, and it's also available on Amazon, I believe. And she's working on the audiobook version as well. She also hosts a podcast called Entrepreneurs Get Visible, which is surprising. It's a, a podcast about entrepreneurs which isn't on fire. So that's always nice to see. Uh, Anna, thank you uh, so much for uh, taking part. So, Sam, what's coming up for you in Podland this month? I just interviewed Minter Dial about his new book, You Lead. And that's a great book if you want to learn how to be a better leader. He used to be the CEO of L'Oreal. So he might know a little bit about leadership. Wow. Because he's worth it. I also yes, interviewed... Dr. Leda Galtis about programmable money, the micropayment systems, the one that Adam Curry is so excited about called Lightning. And if you want to know all about the future of money, have a listen to that one. Yes. And talking about Lightning, I've just enabled Lightning for the Pod News podcast. If you go to tribes.sphinx.chat and you've managed to download the app and you've got some sats and you understand what on earth I've just talked about, and then you can listen to the podcast there and I get some sats, whatever they are. Uh, I'm also doing some consulting for a large podcasting company, and I should really start the work I've promised them because otherwise I'll be in trouble. I was going to say, getting sats, is that better than getting spoons? Because in uh, yes. South Korea, you get spoons. So I don't know, sats versus spoons. This is a live audio streaming service in South Korea. It's really popular in South Korea. Last year, it was forecasting revenue of $100 million. And that's real dollars, not Australian dollars. So they're doing uh, really interestingly, you reward shows you like by giving them spoons, which is a virtual currency that the podcast hosts can uh, cash out. Weirdly, though, they're not podcasters. It's a live audio streaming service. You can listen to recordings on there, but they don't have RSS feeds, which seems an obvious oversight. So I'm sure that they'll be adding RSS feeds soon. But Spoon, you've uh, heard about it here first, folks, a brand new audio streaming service from South Korea. Uh, that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed your trip to Podland, don't make it your last. You can subscribe on all the major podcast players or visit our website at podland.news. And if you enjoyed this episode, thank you. Please tell your friends by sharing us on your socials. And if you've any questions about what you heard today or want to ask for next week's show, please send us a voicemail to questions at podland.news or send a tweet to at podlandnews. If you want daily news, you should get Podnews. It's free at podnews.net or ask your smart speaker to play the news from Podnews Podcasting News. Pod News is also where you'll find lots of the links for all the stories we've mentioned this week, as well as on our own show notes as well. Music is from Ignite Jingles. I use Google Meets to chat with Anna, and I edited that on Hindenburg Journalist Pro because I'm old-fashioned. The rest of the podcast was edited by Sam Sethi in Descript, and we're hosted and sponsored by Buzzsprout. And we'll see you in Podland next week. Keep listening. <laughs>